This is Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois. The podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. And now here's your host, Navy SEAL founder of Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, Rob Dubois. In 1991, I got arrested for alcoholism and criming one last time. Hopefully I won't get arrested for that in the future. We'll see what the fates have in store for me. But my choices lead to my outcomes. That's why our motto at Impact Actual is choose your change. 91, like I said, got arrested one last time. The Navy hauled me in, tested me. I was way over the level, missed movement, missed duty, all kinds of getting hammered by by problems that I thought they were doing to me. It was like them, they, 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 what they're doing to me. I learned along the way, as I've talked about for the past 30 years, that personal choice leads to almost all of our outcomes, even the, the awfulest ones, except for the things you can't control, like environmental causes of cancer, for example. But most of our life, most of what we experience is caused by our choices, neglect of an option, choosing to be doing our workout every day, whatever the process is. As I walked into a recovery program, and this was before I was a SEAL, but I was still a a flying NSA asset back in the day and had a huge reasons to to not commit alcoholic crimes, but I was sick. It's a it's a disease, alcoholism, drug addiction, the other addictions. And so I learned through a long, painful process about taking stock. One of the steps I had to learn about, or I got to learn about as far as cleaning up my act, was to do a searching and fearless moral inventory. Now, I can overthink anything. If you ask me to put two rocks on a table, I'll spend five minutes asking you exactly where they should go, how close to each other, and so forth. I can over-nuke. I can do analysis paralysis. It's very second nature for me. So I took this searching and fearless moral inventory, which takes stock of not only my deficits, my problems, what's wrong with me, what I'm doing wrong, but my strengths. And especially when you're, you who are listening, who have experienced addiction and recovery, you understand that we tend to beat ourselves up a lot. It's easy to find the negative stuff. But I did this searching and fearless moral inventory for about five or six months, and it was supposed to be a one-afternoon evolution. It took me 50 pages to track down all of my wrongness, all my badness, and I, and I, and I love looking back on that and how I did it wrong because it should have been a simple list of saying, hey, I'm, you know, I'm compassionate and I don't show up on time reliably. Simple, simple stuff like that. It could be a five-page list, a two-page, one-page list. But like I said, I over-nuked everything. And so what I learned in the process is that accounting for oneself, the reason that our Impact Hard motto of Impact Hard, which stands for humility, accountability, respect, and dignity, the the four concepts that basically will give a, a guiding lesson for your own, a guiding principle for your own life, if you base it on humility and take full accountability and expect accountability of others, you'll be on the right track. If you practice respect for yourself and others at all times, whether you like them or not, you're winning. If you ensure the dignity of others and your own dignity, you're winning. So accountability is a huge factor in this whole thing. And our seventh task of the 12 tasks of the high impact system is clarify your condition. Think of the SWOT analysis for those who are trained in business, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. 
This is the strengths area. We're taking stock. Again, like I said, deficits as well as strengths, weaknesses as well as strengths. The fact that we're looking at clarify your condition as the first step of the choose format, and choose is the last seven steps of high impact system, last six, I'm sorry, starting with task seven, which is clarify your condition. Then we have highlight your gaps. We'll go deeper on the gaps and deficits. Observe your arena, orient your opportunities. Select your path and execute your mission. This is, you're going to hear a lot more about it over the weeks and months and years to come, but this is how we roll through the second half of the 12 tasks. The first six you've listened to so far have opportunity to listen to the first six in the podcasts, one through six, starting with commit to growth. Today, we're talking about clarifying your condition, which is a form of accountability. And I can't think of a better accountability guest than my own rock star within our organization, within Impact Actual, whose name is Trisha Drago, aka Ninja, who is a professional and a highly qualified accountant who I, I learned, I met through years ago as my actual accountant for Impact Actual, back when we were not functional. Thanks to Trisha, we've become functional as a company, so much so that she has come on board to become the person that ran, runs our operations and finance. And we'll see what the future has to hold. I'm so excited about the growth that's possible. Ninja, welcome aboard. Thank you, Rob. I'm happy to be here. It is so good that we have a chance to talk about this topic right now here because I want to go back to, for the listener's benefit, and give a little instruction beyond the fact that you saved my company and my butt, including my personal finances. Here's our bio from our site, impactactual.com. Executive coach, impact, I'm sorry, executive impact coach, Trisha Drago, an entrepreneur from the age of eight, selling pet rocks door to door, has spent her career helping other small business owners build their businesses. With a master of science in accountancy, she originally wanted to be an IRS auditor until she actually met one who quickly scolded her into considering a friendlier career. Career. She's founder and CEO of Banyan Accounting in Windward, Oahu, Hawaii, and now our finance and operations director for Impact Actual. This ninja is an extremely versatile problem solver, financial coach, and an all-around business badass. Badass reborn. That's our that's our our, our, our philosophy with an impact. Anybody can improve from where they are. I wanted to start with you, Ninja, for the this whole, you know, we'll start on the mundane level before we dive into your personal growth as an individual and clarifying your own condition, I want to go back to basic accounting principles. Can you tell me, I think the term is balance sheet, right? That's what accountants actually track is the, the assets and liabilities, credits and debits. Oh, that's an interesting question. The most often overlooked part of business financials for small business owners is the balance sheet. And you know, I'll often be presented a what seems to be very clean profit and loss statement, and then I take a peek at the balance sheet and happen to see a lot of crazy balances and accounts that don't belong there, negative balances where there should be positive numbers. And it's really a measure of the business health. So the difference between a balance sheet and a profit and loss statement is a profit and loss statement shows results over a period in time or multiple periods of time where you can compare quarters, months, years over years. But a balance sheet is a snapshot in time. It tells you your assets, liabilities, and equity at any given date. So what makes the balance sheet so important is if your balance sheet is out of whack, then your financial profit and loss is also most likely out of whack as well. The 
I took note here. You said it's a measure of a business's health. And it's a snapshot in time. This is like going to the doctor one day, getting your blood, your vitals, getting everything done that day. And he says, okay, today's here's your situation. But it doesn't measure the person's health over time, just like it doesn't measure uh, a business health over time, like your P&L and going into other details. This is, I, I know that I'm going to nerd out on this, but it's exciting as hell because I believe in dynamism, dynamic flow and, if you will, similarity between systems, the, the human system, the organism. You, we have all these things can be measured and checked out with a doctor, with a visit, with labs. With a business, you just look at these numbers and these sheets, things that baffle me. I might as well be taking a calculus test if I see these documents, as you well know. Mind going back real quick and describing how one of your most troublesome clients first showed up with his receipts? Oh, I wouldn't call him so troublesome, but I had this client who once showed up with about a five-pound bag of receipts in a Safeway shopping bag, and the receipts were nice and crumpled up real tight. This client happened to tell me he received advice from somebody that if you don't have a system, make a system, and at least put all your receipts in one place. So he made a game out of it, and in the corner, he had his garbage bag, and he would shoot his business receipts into it like a basketball hoop, and then that was his system. And it, and it worked really well until it came time for us to actually have to catalog and scan all of those receipts, and I had to put one of my resources on it, and she painstakingly flattened out every single receipt. And at the end of the project, she mentioned to me, would you mind telling Mr. Rob Dubois if he could keep his receipts flattened for us? <laughs> So I, I gave uh, that feedback to Rob, and ever since then, he re produced flattened receipts, and he was quite proud of it. His I first still don't know towards... what to do with them, but I flattened them. That <laughs> yeah. much I understand. You can teach a monkey to type. And so I, I, this is, again, referring back to five years ago, right? This was, this was the origin of this whole thing we have now today with Impact and why Impact is a thriving, functional company uh, because it takes a team. It is not just one idiot throwing, uh, making shots in the corner with a with a shopping bag, literally. Uh, I still don't understand how to process them myself, and I don't ever want to have to learn that because I have my strengths, my zones of genius, and you have yours, and everybody else in the team does that. And I want the listener to understand the same thing. It's not you don't have to do everything yourself. It's important to take this searching and fearless moral inventory, account for your strengths and weaknesses, find out where you could be enhanced with somebody else's genius, somebody else's support. The cool thing is, I used to joke about this before before you and I hooked up in business, Trisha. I used to joke uh, that I'm a SEAL and we can do a lot, but I wouldn't want to be an accountant because I'd want to shoot myself on a daily basis. And this, the opposite is probably true too for you. So it, it, recognizing that we have abilities beyond accounting, obviously it's infinite number of things people can do on the planet, but finding the right person to do the right thing is a superpower. It's a force multiplier to use sealed team concepts. So with that foundation of what a balance sheet is and this searching and fearless moral, searching and fearless moral inventory of my crumpled receipts, the P&L, profit and loss, understanding how having a clear picture makes all the difference in the world. Again, the health of the person at the doctor and the health of the business. What are some, can you can you help us understand what hidden, if you will, like use a specific example. Sometimes we hear about a person dropping dead 
might be the fittest athlete in the world. Some of my fellow SEAL teammates have dropped dead in their 40s and 50s. We didn't know about that fissure in their heart, for example, like John, apparently John, uh, what's his name from uh, Three's Company? John Ritter died of something like that, an unseen injury. What what happens, just some simple examples of, of what what unseen illnesses may exist in a business, and we're going to, again, extrapolate from this and flow into personal life. Yeah, certainly. I'm With the balance sheet, you know, there's an important step. It's called reconciliation, and reconciliation shouldn't just happen on your checking and savings accounts. For example, you know, popular software tries to make it look very easy for you to maintain your own set of business books, and they have a reconciliation feature where if you get it to zero, apparently you are reconciled. But when I look at a set of books and I notice dozens and dozens of uncleared transactions from prior periods, that tells me that even though they think their books are reconciled, they have transactions that are either duplicated, so they may be overstating revenue and paying too much taxes, or expenses that are duplicated, things like that. And also, you know, reconciliation is very important in business, so you know how much equity you have remaining. So one of the big hidden problems is, especially for a business owner who takes on a debt, debt load like a line of credit, an SBA loan, or otherwise loans themselves money for capital or takes on partner capital. If your equity goes negative, oftentimes you may be drawing a salary or drawing too much money out of your business trying to pay your personal bills and not realizing you're getting into this negative deficit And in certain businesses, you get taxed on going in the negative. So you have to be careful how you present the money that's going in and out of your business. And a lot of times, the money that goes in and out of the business sometimes accidentally hit the profit and loss statement when they shouldn't. It also kind of reminds me of the, you know, whole doctor's antidote. My mom, um, she's passed on, but she was a diabetic from a young age and she would game her doctor's appointment. It was really always a problem for us. <laughs> but, you know, she knew she had a checkup in three months. And so she would go on a diet for three months because she wanted her A1C levels to be a certain range and mm. wanted her cholesterol to be a certain range, wouldn't drink any alcohol, all of these things, so that when she went and got her blood work done, there was no cause for concern for her to be put on more medications. But the reality was, outside of those three months of extreme dieting, she had health conditions that probably should have been on the radar and addressed. So that's something that her and my stepfather would do is game their blood work to make sure that, oh, everything looks great, no need to go on insulin, etc. But then for the remaining nine months of the year, her organs were being probably damaged or who knows what by her true condition. And I think that's really what we're trying to get at here was, you know, clarifying your true condition and not gaming it. Yeah, the the, the searching and fearless moral inventory is all about and I'm, I'm referring to that same phrase again because of my recovery, but everyone does it in a different way. Accountants do it in their way, and judges do it in their way, and marriage counselors do it in their way. Reconciliation is a fantastic word. I love that idea from the accounting industry because, again, it overlaps directly to what humans need to do. Reconciling is that same function of looking honestly at oneself and saying, yeah, here's the deal. I mean, I joke to people that I believe when I look in the mirror, I know I'm, I look like Fabio. 
have long, thick, lustrous blonde hair and a bronze and tan and rippling muscles and six-pack. That is obviously a joke, but it, it isn't entirely false that I have a, an unclear image of who I am or what I look like. We all do. We all have uh, filters. We all have certain assumptions we want to make about ourselves. I mean, look at how many confident a-holes are out there walking around th- thinking they're God's gift to women. The, the lady listeners will understand. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what those guys are. They have a very unclear picture of who they really are as far as the outside world can, uh, can obviously see. Uh, the same is true for those who are unethical in general. The stink of, of unethical life is just, it's, it's palpable. You can, tell, you can notice it from a mile away. We say you can smell BS a mile away. So people who are not, in, not even honest with themselves, much less other people, are really setting themselves up for failure. And I call these invisible losses. So you have the a-hole. Uh, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits, talked about <clears throat> competence and character. So having competence is great. You want to have the best brain surgeon in the world if you have to have a brain surgeon work. But for many, many other trades, many other people you want to be around, you don't want to be around a jerk. If that person, and if you will use bedside manner as a term for the brain surgeon, okay, I can deal with this guy being a, a kind of a jerk, pompous, abrupt, disrespectful, but because he's going to fix my brain, I got it. But 99% of the people we encounter, I'd rather have a lower competency and higher character than deal with this a-hole that's really satisfied with his or her uh, ability with something. It's really important to to have the healthy self-image and understanding of who we are, again, worse than all. That's what the Searching and Fearless Moral Inventory is all about. And what you talked about there as far as flowing over and describing it in terms of your mom's dishonesty to herself, uh, the reality is it doesn't matter if the doctor gave a bad report, if she'd just simply been honest about her her physical condition and say, yeah, this is me, 12 months a year, here's what you get. Because she wasn't going to go to jail for not taking care of herself. She wasn't going to be forced, strapped down and forced to take her diabetic meds. Who cares? But there's this this image problem we have with ourselves. We want to behave and appear a certain way. And that is one of the most counterproductive things to a healthy, functional life we can be. Because being honest, just it lets people know. Like for in relationship, my favorite example of all is don't be fake in a relationship. Because if you're if you're with a man or a woman because they think you're something different, that is not the way to spend the rest of your life or even any time you, any part of your life. Uh, knowing who we are uh, between our, my partner and me, knowing who we are means we're with them by choice. We're together by choice. And if we're, if we're together on subterfuge and some kind of a fake image, a disaster is imminent. It's going to happen. It's going to crash and burn. Or we're going to live in misery for 40 or 50 years because we're never going to be honest with ourselves. So, Tricia, you and I have a lot, a lot of history. We know a lot about each other's backgrounds. Uh, without oversharing on your, or confessing your sins, I'll, I'll, I'll mention that you know you've, you've experienced your own path with addictive issues, addiction issues, and, and recovery. And, and I'd like to ask you at this point, say, take the same foundation we laid, we laid here. I told people I was going to nerd out on this, but I love the accounting concepts because it's a mystery to me. <laughs> it might as well be sorcery, but. I wanted to, to establish that foundation of what the, the balancing is, credits and debits, the, the checks and balances, and, and the assets and liabilities, so that you can unpack it a little bit in your own experience in life. You know, we, we, we live and breathe the high-impact system. We live and breathe the choose mechanism that the Impact Unchained course is based on. How have you seen, if we can take, a, like I said, extrapolation, some kind of effects of accounting in your own life? 
how, how does this apply in the life you live, especially given your knowledge and expertise in the, the fundamentals of a, of, a, of a black and white balance sheet over? I mean, I think there's a few things that are pretty ironic in my life. I've suffered quite a bit of trauma and loss of loved ones, especially father figures in my my life, to suicide. And, you know, I did self-medicate as a young adult. But there's, you know, one of the ironic things is the father figure who raised me and taught me about business and took his own life when he was when I was 15, he, he took his life on April 15th. And that is tax day. And I now have a tax business. Mm-hmm. Additionally, I'm a Libra. My astrological sign is a Libra, and that's all about balance. So the debits and credits really play heavily into just my whole being as, I, as, I, as a Libra. And also the fact that I was a gifted student growing up in math, and I couldn't discover really how I was going to make money doing math. I, I didn't want to be a teacher. I, I wanted to be in business. And then when I took my first accounting course, it all made sense to me. It's, it's money. It's math. You make money doing math. I, I enjoy the accounting theory more than anything. I'm a general ledger specialist. That's what makes me pretty unique in the accounting world when it comes to what I do for small businesses. That's why the balance sheet is very important to me, where a lot of people just overlook it. And perspective is everything. So, you know, you can say, my business feels healthy because I have a lot of money in the bank. And you can present it to others, and that's what in the business world what we call optics. But at the end of the day, you have a line of credit outstanding for more than double what you have in the bank, or you've got a lot of personal credit card debt that you've been using to bootstrap your business at 22% interest, and you're just making those minimum payments. So really getting a handle on you know, what What all the components are in not just business, the business world, which I specialize in, but in your personal life. Finances is a point of tension in health, in relationships, in addiction. I mean, there's a lot of things that people do as addicts that just disintegrate any financial means they may have, whether it is gambling, Use, using drugs or other things, you know, shopping, shopaholic. There's people who also that I, I try and help who are very just overly generous. They, they, I had a client come sit with me a couple weeks ago who is addicted to donating to political campaigns. He thinks it's his role in life to make a difference. And his credit card is about $11,000 a month in $5 and $10 donations to various political campaigns. And he was very frank about it. He said, I have a problem and I don't know how to stop it. And my response to him was, have you ever thought of maybe trying to cancel your credit card and starting fresh? And his eyes just lit up like, never thought about that strategy. I mean, <laughs> so how, complicated. Do you reconcile, <laughs> how do you reconcile 40 pages of 5 and $10 charges on your credit card? Oh. So we all have our, you know, vices, our, our, our down points, um, just getting to the point where you can be honest about making those changes to get to where you really need to be. 
and stopping the bleeding in the financial world, stop the bleeding, those recurring charges, those recurring things that you're doing, those little things that you're doing over and over again that is adding to your detriment, the big things that are piling on top of it. It's really important to just really be honest. Oh, man, you really just uh, flared up a huge question I had not written down before this recording. I'll bet you there's a lot of listeners who can really relate to what you're talking about financially, the, the little hemorrhaging, the little little bleeding or seepage, if you will, from the finance. In fact, I would bet today with the apps, the prevalence of apps and the prevalence of smartphones, there's almost nobody who hasn't had one oops leakage of their finance. Like I forgot myself, I donate five bucks a month to TED Talk. I love TED. So I help finance that. I get all the TED I want for for knowledge that, that benefits me. But if if it stops being important to me, I will likely not realize that five bucks is going out because like you said, it's one of four pages. Who notices the five dollar? It's less than a than a big latte. And the addiction, I, I this is not a not a, an episode on addiction, but it's such a relevant topic because this this person who's giving to political campaigns is it reminds me of one of the key key elements the key identifiers of an addictive behavior like i'm i am an alcoholic that's a person who is addicted to drinking alcohol we say that one is one's too many two's just right and three is not enough as far as if i if i pick up some booze and start rolling again i'll be Killing myself or somebody else likely within a year because it is a serious, no melodrama, it's a serious, insidious illness. And it, it leads to crazy criming like I did so much. I was in and out of jails through most of my youth. That includes my technically responsible early adulthood as a Navy intel guy. But the, the, the identifier is, is it a problem in your life? Like, it's great to be generous. That's wonderful to be generous. It's great to make love. It's great to have healthy food. It's great to work. It's great to, to have a, a, a drink once in a while. Those are all things that can be good in a healthy person's life. But overuse of anything, including donating, this wonderful act of donating to worthy causes, if it's causing you pain, Mr. Donator Guy, that's a big problem, like he identified. And that's something that has to be addressed. This is part of taking the moral, moral again, not moralizing, but an interview, uh, an inventory of myself. What am I about? And you, like I said, you triggered a great thought in my mind because of what we've talked about before. I want to let you discuss this yourself. But speaking of, of, of leaking, leaking money in his case, we leak time too. We leak time to those people we don't want to offend by not giving them our time. You know where I'm going with this thing. It's the, that beautiful little phrase, say no more. How do we take responsibility for ourselves and focus on doing what's right for us without feeling guilty about it? Because not everybody deserves all of our time if it's harming us, just like he's harming his finances. Yeah, that's one of the downfalls of the giving personality, and especially when helping others is something that we have a hard time saying no to. I, When I first started working with you, Rob, the, my biggest assignment was to learn how to say no more often because I have a hard time saying no. And in my business, I'm so well regarded here on the island of Oahu that I, I haven't had to advertise in three years because... I get word of mouth referrals, people read my reviews, and they just want me to take them on as a client. The problem is there's only one of me and there's thousands of them. I, I've come to realize that. And 
at the end of the day, I have to choose to work with clients that are coachable, that appreciate the fact that there is only one of me and I am taking them on and are very patient because I have so many clients that I cannot, especially during tax season, get back to them right away. Um, so I, I've learned to look at the signs of, you know, people who are trying to not be appreciative or not following my guidance and co continuously causing problems for themselves because that ultimately causes more time for me that I don't have. But one of my clients actually does um, this photo aura service and he took a photo of my aura and read it to me and he said that people are drawn to me because because I help them feel calm about their situation and because I have that calming effect they want to be around me more and so they will seek extra time from me just so they can have that feeling and unfortunately that comes at a cost to me and I never recognized it at first because I just naturally am that way with people. And at the end of the day, because they were seeking more time from me, they're actually stealing my energy. They're, they're um, siphoning my energy, and I only have so much of it in any given day. And I found myself getting really drained and tired because of certain people in my life, whether it be friends or family or clients that were seeking that energy from me. So I have to make sure that I set boundaries, let them know, you know, when I schedule time with you, I wanna dedicate my headspace to you because when I'm with another person or helping somebody else, you wouldn't want me stealing time from them or for you and back and forth. So they, they have started to understand that and I think I've been doing a much better job of protecting my energy. You see, that refers just so perfectly right back to our previous task, task six, declare you're done, the done zone, the healthy boundaries, the saying no more. Because not only is it detriment to us to overspend of our time and energy, to, to leak our time and energy into other people, when they're irresponsibly taking it from us or asking for it, it's our responsibility to take or to give or not give. And it's very often appropriate not to give, very, very often appropriate not to give, because people who are taking in that way are not developing their own strength to manage the things they're responsible for, like they're taking care of themselves. When, when people re rely too much on us, I, I recommend a management book to everyone out there who leads in any way, even if it's leading with your kids. It's called The Five-Minute Manager and The Monkey. That may not be the exact title, or it might be Meets the Monkey, but The Five-Minute Manager is a great, a great series of books, very handy, tight little books that give great examples of how to manage well with other people. But the one with the monkey talks about the monkey on your back. And the leader, responsible leader, has to say, no monkeys from you. I got monkeys of my own. You know, I got this stuff I have to, I'm responsible for reporting to the board, for example. Whatever the person has as a responsibility batch does not need Timmy coming up and saying, I don't know if we should use the red or the chartreuse for this font. What you need the Timmys to understand is when they come to you with, a, with an inane question like that, that's his responsibility to, to manage, you say, well, I'll tell you what, go away, determine the best one for your opinion, come back and present it to me. I'll approve it or disapprove it. Boom, done. Monkey is off my back. He tried to fling it on me and I'm, I'm flinging it right back. You get the monkey, Timmy. It's your monkey. We... If we leave, if we leave Timmy's, as many of us do, and because I'm a giver, 
and many people listening are givers. I love to give of my time, energy, and resources. If I'm, I'm blessed to have them. I see it as an opportunity for me. However, giving when it's inappropriate is enabling, back to the concept of an, an addiction. Enabling someone is weakening them. Weakening them is putting them at a disadvantage in the future. I'm harming my kids when I don't, don't let them skin their knee. I got to let my kids fall down. I got to let them suffer here and there where it's appropriate. We don't inflict suffering on our children, but we have to let them live their life and learn their lessons. And so by overleaking of our time and energy to those users, the psychic vampires who just want to, like there's an actual amazing show called What We Do in the Shadows. I recommend it to everyone, an amazing British show called What We Do in the Shadows that has an actual psychic vampire on it. And he can tell a story and make people just fall down on dead because it, it's uh, it's it's draining of them and he's he's feeding off of it. The I came I wrote down what you were talking about there with um, holding them accountable is not using their like I said they're not if you're if you're back to the accounting principles concept this the I love this episode because it's about accounting and addiction but it's not about either one it's about clarifying one's condition we're just using real world examples of how to do it. If you tell your clients, like me with my crumpled receipts, dude, here's how it needs to be going forward. You're doing them a massive service. You're telling me, hey, I can't work with you if you're going to be irresponsible. Well, guess what? That scares the person straight. I really want to work with you. I've had clients like that. I, I've told clients, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to discontinue our contract and I'm going to con- refund your money for the rest of this coaching agreement we have. And they they'll their eyes fly open and they're they're sitting up on their seat like, wait, wait, what happened? What's what's going on? I, and I'll tell them, dude, you're just wasting your time and mine by sitting here and just rambling about your problems. Let's deal with the real things. Let's get real, get deep, get serious, get to the pain points and address that. Otherwise, I, I'm throwing away my time that I could give to someone else who's willing to do those things. It's very serious accounting. Yeah, and it's also about there's so many people out there who need help. I have, you know, I'm part of a networking group. We meet once a week and we have, in the beginning of our meeting, we talk about what was our win for the week. And and in the past few times, my win was I made another client cry. I've had clients who have had so much stress on their shoulders that they've lost sleep. They've, their health has deteriorated because they just didn't know where to start to clean their financial problems, catch up their tax return filings, organize their business accounting or even get anywhere with where they left off and they come to me and I I make it seem so effortless to them but I I reassure them hey we'll have a plan and we'll get you through this and then we'll start working towards achieving your goals and at that point the pressure just falls off of them and sometimes they'll start crying <laughs> and it is no joke it is cry of relief, not cry of stress that I experience with these clients. Um, and for me to have a, a time sink with people who just really can't help themselves and they don't want to do better or follow my lead when there's so many other people out there that need my help and want my help that I really want to help. It is important for me to not get distracted or take on those type of engagements as I have widows coming to me that their spouses took care of all the finances and this is their first year having to file on their own. Not only are they grieving, but they just don't know 
where to get their tax documents, how to access online banking, what bills need to be paid, what or how to file a tax return. And they come to me and I make it very painless for them that to the point where they're just feeling so relieved, like that's one less thing that I have to stress over so I can focus on my grief and moving on and just experiencing life without my partner. I just had a client yesterday who we we had to call her brokerage account and to help her get her tax document and all of the security questions that her husband had set up were, where did you meet your significant other? Who was the bridesmaid or groomsman in your wedding? And where did you get married? Those were the three questions. And, wow. and she was a little flustered because she couldn't exactly remember what the right answers were. And she mentioned her, her bridesmaid, they got married when she was 19 and the bridesmaid, she had two of them were girlfriends of his groomsmen and she didn't even really know the girls, so she couldn't even remember their names. But then after we hung up the phone, she blurted out, Judy, it was Judy. <laughs> and she had a little chuckle. And I looked at her and I said, I don't know if you realize this, but your husband is watching over you right now while you handle this tax situation. She had all her tax documents that were so organized because he had take, taken meticulous records that I could help her piece it together very effortlessly on my part. But just reminding her, you know, all these questions about how the two of you were met and your marriage. Did you notice that those were all questions? And she goes, oh, I did not. And I said, yeah. it's him telling you hi right now. And she just started bawling. Well, what a great expression of his love. Exactly. Behind the scenes. He never did that to, to show her, to make, a, to make a false front. He just lived it. Yes. It, it, was, it was quite special. But she left that she left yesterday feeling very, very at ease. And she knows that she can rely on me and she's on a, a good path. She doesn't have to stress over it now. Thank God. The last question I want to ask you about accounting principles is about credit. And this is something I wrote a book, Powerful Peace, and in that we have a, a chapter called Credit, which is about giving credit and taking credit for what's right. That's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Those of us who like to beat ourselves up, we don't want to acknowledge the asset side. We want to say, oh, I'm bad at this, I'm bad at this, I suck about that, I did that terrible thing. How do you, how do you help the listener understand it's important to take credit and how to take credit for much more than the paper and, and ink, but the life? I think it's important to take credit in the fact that everybody has a gift in life. I, I took this from a, a reel on Facebook. It was a Steve Harvey reel. He pretty much mentioned everybody has a gift. God has given everybody a gift in life. If you can use your gift to make money, that's even better. But if, if you have a gift, your gift back to God is giving that gift to others. I think it's important for everybody to recognize their gift and take credit for that gift and share that gift with others because at the end of the day, I feel like the human mind is way too complicated and complex to just stop when we die. I, I, I feel like when, when we leave this body, there's no way we don't just go somewhere else. And if you're not preparing for the journey and you're just really focusing on yourself in the day-to-day, -day, you're losing the big picture. So taking credit for your gift is really your gift to God if you're, if you're using that gift to help others. 
So determining that and, and using that is really important. When it comes to credit, I'm a huge fan of giving credit to my team. When when my team does something, I, I don't like to take the credit, but what I do is I, I will give them credit. Like, you know, I've got a tax pro who identified some additional de- deductions that benefited the client and made some suggestions for next year. And I communicated that to the client. And I said, my my tax pro, Kelly, determine this and gives I give the credit to her and I let my team know I let the client know that you you've discovered this because I want to make sure that everybody takes credit for what they do and I'm not a big fan of taking other people's credit and that goes you know a long way in business too right I mean we have to sometimes rely on credit financially and having having um, the ability to get credit, is a whole nother conversation as far as, you know, just personal credit, as far as being a person versus financial credit and worthiness, you know. So when you take your take credit for yourself, you're, you're re- em, re-emphasizing your enforcing your value, your credit value personally. I think this conversation is profound in its simplicity. It's like two layers. We have a deep concept about what's real in human life, and it's perfectly overlaid by this architecture, little framework of actual accounting. That That's perfect because, as you said, you have to take credit for your – we need, we ought to take credit for our skills, our gifts, our abilities, because if you don't acknowledge it and recognize it, you'll never know when you're not doing it with somebody. For example, the people that do want to bleed us dry – uh, without any purpose, will take the time away from the person that you could help make cry by giving of your gifts with that person. So we have to guard our time that way. Have that, that's strict accounting, accountability for us. Last thing, I know you're looking for a lot of new accounting clients, right? I'm oh, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> poor, of accountability, I just, I just heard my doorbell ring and my, my 10 o'clock is Exactly. Outside. It's a perfect example. <laughs> but I don't want people to reach you directly. I don't want you to get new clients immediately because you're overwhelmed because you're so good. How do the people get a hold of you? Can they just go to our site and maybe check out the about the team? I want to make sure people can get your wisdom directly, but, but through an, an accountable gatekeeper. Yeah, you can reach me at... Trisha at impactactual.com. I am an official part of the team as an executive, and you can read about me on my business website, bandianaccounting.com. I'm sure there'll be more to come, but I really appreciate you asking. Wonderful. This is fantastic. So helpful. Thank you. And thank you for making a lot of people smarter about this. And I want people to step out there. Go on out there, listener, and and apply these principles, these accounting principles in your own life, because it's going to make your life better and, more importantly, the lives of those around you. Thanks so much, Tricia. Thank you, Rob. My pleasure. See you soon. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois, the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. For more information about Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, visit impactactual.com. And be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen so you'll never miss a show. We'll see you next time on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois.